Of today's daf is Yud Aleph. We pick up at the bottom of Yud Amud Bet. We are in the middle of a story about Avshalom um, within the larger context of the Midah Kineged Midah that started with Sota and her punishments. Um, and uh, now, assuming she was guilty. Um, anyway, now we're about Avshalom. Avshalom, Avshalom, excuse me, ultimately his hair was the, the most... Uh, uh, beautiful, almost divine thing about him, and ultimately it was taken from him at the end. And here actually was his downfall. So the Gemara says like this: um, uh, Where were we? Tanu Rabbanan, the first, uh, the, the widest line. Absalom nitka ebesa'aro. Okay, Tanu Rabbanan, Absalom besa'aro marad. He rebelled with his hair. Shenemar, Absalom lo haya yafe ibuish etero etero bigalcho et roshel vayamikei tamim liyamim asher yigalach he chaved alav alav vigilcho v'shakal etzar roshel. So he would when he ever made your shade because he had so much hair and then he would weigh it anyway and then the end of that story is is that you know is that he used that to be away from the king and to gather people around him and ultimately to lead you know to be uh, to have this insurrection so it's inter- you know it's uh, so the question is both it provided the pretext and also presumably uh, because it was a, such a matter of pride although the Gemara doesn't say that explicitly you know filled him with that sense that he could be that he was deserving to be king Rashi of course reminds us if you look at Rashi Rashi says in case you forgot what we learned in Masechet Nazir Rashi reminds us the Gemara's take that he was a Nazir and and, and, right, and therefore he was allowed to shave his hair a Nazir alum shave his hair once a year anyway Sounds ridiculous, but in modern presidential campaigns, hair is off. Mm-hmm. Hair and height, very important. Exactly, that's a very good point. Yep. Okay. Is Evan Hamela a standard weight? Uh, I have no... It's like stone, right? Like yeah, stone. I don't know. It's sort of like Shekel HaKodesh or something. Yeah, yeah. Now the Gemara's going to do a drush on that, so let's take a look. It says, Tana Evan Shanshet Veriyav Anshet Tzipari Shoklin Ba. So again, it's some standard that was used to weigh by the people of Tiberius and various people of Tzipari. The Sikach Nitle Besaro, because he was Nitka Ebesaro, therefore was the cause of his downfall, hoisted by his own petard. Shenemar, as it says, Vayikrav Shalom Lishnei Avdei Amelech Lav Shalom Rochev Al Hapered. This is when they were fighting in the uh, in the forest. Vayavo Hapered Tachas Shovach Allah, and it went under the sort of uh, branches of the uh, terebinth, some type of tree. Hagdolav Yachzuro Elm, and just Yachazro Shovach Allah, and his hair was caught up in the in the branches of the tree. Vayutam Ben Shemayim Uvein Haaretz, and he was uh, hovering like uh, suspended between the heaven and earth. Vayapered Asher Tachtav Avar, and the uh, the, the donkey, or what is it? Um, uh, it's a donkey parrot? Mule. mule. The mule uh, passed, uh, passed under him. I La- kept on going. So the Gemara says, so... So Shako Safsira, he took a sword. By the he wanted to cut his hair. I mean, this is crazy, right? How could he? Why was he so stuck? Like just cut it, you know? So, so okay, maybe he didn't have his sword on him. But anyway, the Gemara says no. He took a hair, his sword and he wanted to cut his hair. At that moment, the depths opened up beneath him. Um, so presumably somehow they're being afraid of uh, the depths or whatever. It's not exactly clear, but that somehow prevented him from cutting his hair. It doesn't exactly connect the dots. Oh, wow, that's a, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I got it. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, it's obvious I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't thinking. Okay, you're right. He can't now cut his hair because now he's going to fall into the depths. Thank you very much. 
Now, after basically Yoav killed him, um, then the king, uh, was, his death was reported, and then the king David went up, and he went to the gate, and he cried, and this is what he said, my son, Absalom, my son, had I only died in your stead, Absalom, right, and the and he was crying, and he cried out a great cry, B'ni Avshalom, Avshalom, B'ni, B'ni. Wow, that's a lot of B'ni Avshalom. Can I just say one thing? Yes. I think it's the saddest classic in the Yeah. It's extremely sad. The sense of, yeah. It How, no matter what. Right, right. It's just really Yeah, thank you. Yep. So, the Gemara says, Hani tamnaya b'ni lama. There's seven, my son, my son. And as Doe said, right, that's what makes it so terribly poignant, is, you know, is with all that he had rebelled and all of that, right, just that uh, he's still his son. So the Gemara says, oh, Hani tamnaya, excuse me, eight. So, excuse me, I was jumping ahead to the next point. These are eight b'nis. So, what, what is the point of all that repetition other than to express that grief, um, which it does so poignantly? So, shiva da'aske shiva midore gehenim, because now Absalom was in the lowest depths of Gehenna. Mm-hmm. So seven times, seven of those Benis raised him up from the seven uh, you know, depths of Gehenna, each one raising him up a little bit closer. The Edach, now the last one, some say his head was, uh, that what he did was he reconnected his head to his body, um, because his head was severed, right, he was, uh, when he was killed. Um, although I don't think it says that in the Psukim. It says he was smote. Killed by Dars. Yeah, by Dars, and then it says, and then the and then the, the ten uh, soldiers it said smote him but I don't think it ever says he was se- his head was severed from his body okay the Igadami the Aisei Le'amodasi no he even br- was able through his prayer David to bring him to Olam Haba you know it's interesting also right to see some of the myths or stories or whatever that grew up uh, after the uh, death of the Shabtai Tzvi um, and like uh, how much you know there was this uh, these myths about how like uh, the people like pray to raise him up of Gehenna and bring him like to Olam Haba and so on like it's such a powerful character that he you know that it's remained you know very much present in the imagination of the people couldn't accept with all of that his uh, that he, with all of his sin you know that that would be the end of the story so anyway here here as well the Gemara is struggling with this question about whether ultimately David was able to bring him to Olam Haba I mean this is so, a question you know in terms of the efficacy of prayer you know yeah so Tosos raises that question Tosos says well just say very quickly again very weird I have a lot of Gemara and very little time but uh, Tosus, take a look at this one line of Tosus. The Aisei Ba'amodasi. Tosus said, "Vikasha ha'amu b'chelak bra mezaki abba abalo mezaki bra." That a son can merit, can bring merit to the father. A son's deeds can bring, you know, benefit the father's soul. Well, the, that's the question. The father, not the son. So he says, "Well, what about all of this? You know, the father's mezaki, the son." So if you just skip to the end, Tosus says like this. He says, um, "The O." Oh, he says. First of all, he says, So maybe if he wasn't over with Zara, he's still able to be redeemed by the father, as opposed to other cases. Um, and that just means to, out of deference and respect to the father, that's not going to prevent sort of you know labeling the son a Russia if the son is a Russia. But you know, it still is very interesting even with all of that right what does prayer of a different person do for the soul of the sinner who died like how does that how is that related what 
Well, right, exactly. But, uh, but there the thought is, yeah, but that plays in with the Brahma Zake Abba, because there the thought is that because the sun is Makari Shem Shamayim, so therefore ultimately that's indirect, you no know, schar that accrues to the dead person, because the dead person, you know, brought into the world this child who now is doing these good things, so ultimately, you know, it's somewhat attributable to them. Well, that's true, but the sort of classic is, but you know, but yes, but there the idea is that if somebody is doing good deeds and somehow through this other person resulting through, somehow it accrues back to them as opposed to just praying for somebody's soul. It is a different concept, you know, doing good deeds as opposed to praying for somebody's soul. So the Gemara says like this. Um, yeah. And we're also saying that there, you know, that it seems harder to get out of Gehenna, if you will, than to go into, you know, yeah, well, yeah, because I mean, you know, it's one thing to put you out of uh, the punishments; another thing to say you're righteous, right? You right, know, right, but yeah. it's easier. And all of this is one last thing. Oh, <laughs> well, once you're not in Gehenna, there's only one more step to go. He wasn't going to go to the highest level of Olam Abba. He'll go probably. He'll go to the entry level of Olam Abba. Okay, all right. So uh, being in the middle is purgatory, right? So that's it. Anyway, all right. Actually, there is some idea about that, uh, even in the Jewish sources as well. Well, purga- no, about purgatory. Um, well, the Gemara speaks about like uh, you know the the Rishaim are like mibas. It doesn't have a name for it because it's a, like a temporary state. Like it's for like yeah, so it's like twelve months until they're finally done. Anyway, it's a Gemara Rosh Hashanah. Um, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, uh, where are we? Okay. So now this is what's reported in the in, right. Well, that's true. This is what's reported in the Tanakh after his death. It says Absalom had already in his life taken and created a monument for himself because he said, "I don't have any children, so this will be a monument for me." And it was called Yad Absalom. That's like what the Torah reports, the Tanakh, the where the Shmu, uh, reports after his death that he had already created this monument for himself in his life. So the Gemara says, "My lakach." What does it mean he had taken? I'm so it's like right? It's using it more metaphorically. He had made a bad investment. Now, what, did it mean that he had predicted his own death because he bought a monument for himself, or did it just mean this whole undertaking was a mechachra, presumably? Okay, at Matzevet Asher Ba'emek Hamelach, the uh, a monument in the Valley of the King. I'm Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa, Ultimately, this was all the divine plan. We sort of saw that earlier as well, you know, with Tamar and uh, Yehuda. And this was all, uh, you know, sort of following... Uh, there was another place also, the right Mark said that this was all sort of because of the divine plan. Anyway, well, who, where did Hudimar say that about before? I'm forgetting. People remember that? Anyway. Okay, Shimshon, I think, right? Was it Shimshon? Yeah, 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 Shimshon. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But it's yeah, but but his running after the uh, non-Jewish women and ultimately right, all of that was even though there was the bechirachavshis, it was all also the divine plan. So here too, it was all the divine plan because if you look at Rashi, he says mm-hmm. Right. So in the sin of Batsheva, right, the David was told, you know, that you know your uh, your you know somebody will rise up from your house and rebel against you and so on. So it's uh, not taking away from Avshalom's bechirachavshis. But somehow it also worked with the divine plan. I will rise up a uh, evil from within your house. Um, similarly, you say, This is with Yosef and the brothers when he was sent to check on his brothers. Here again, the, 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 the deep uh, strategy or you know, plan of that righteous person who is buried in Chevron, which is Avraham, 
So this is ultimately the fulfillment of the God's uh, sort of decree or promise to Avraham about the enslavement or the uh, you know estrangement of the uh, children in a foreign land, and this is all to make sure that that would come about. Um, okay, Kiamar, back to Absalom. Kiamar, yeah, it's tiny little kind of problem here about Ashkocha Pratis and Bechiyachas. Just moving on. Kiamar, Avi <laughs> Ben, <laughs> yes. Oh, that's an interesting point. Maybe that sense about that guilt is caused at some level of knowledge that all, the, all this was a punishment for his sin. And that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Kiamar Ainli Ben, Absalom erected this monument because he said, I have no son. So the Gemara, and therefore I need this monument. So the Gemara says, Havale Bni? He didn't have children? Sons? This is what it reported like before this whole story. He had three sons and one daughter. No, he didn't have a son that was fit to sort of uh, take uh, you know, over the kingship for him, so maybe he figured, although that's interesting, because that means that even when he, way back then, when he had made the monument, he was already planning on becoming king and rebelling, because it didn't say when he made the monument. Okay? But he did not feel that he would have a child that would carry his name with the same type of uh, fame or recognition, or, so they're renowned, so therefore he had to make for himself this, uh, this monument. Rav Chiza Amar Gemiri, we have a tradition that anybody who burns his friend's wheat, um, his child will never survive to inherit him. I guess because, you know, there's a, yes, it means that literally, so he had a children, a child, but he knew his, chil- or his children had died or he knew they would die. How do we know? Because there was a story of Absalom burning Yoav's wheat, as we're about to see. But just to say something about this, other than that, it seems to be like constructed to fit the fat, you know, to fit the, uh, to, to, to serve as an explanation, you know, it seems to be an idea. Like, you know, we speak about like the fruit of, you know, your labors, your children, fruit of the womb, fruit of your hands, fruit of the labors. You know, you spend all this time planting the seeds. Obviously, there's a whole seed and sprouting and growing and whatever. And somebody else comes and he cuts them, all, cuts them down, right? So, burns them down. So, so you burn down somebody else's, you know, you know uh, exactly. It's, that's my point. It's a midak and midah. So, your progeny will be cut down. Okay? So, the Ehu kaye with the Yoav. And he burnt down Yoav's wheat. Dechsev, it says... This was when Absalom had been accepted to move back to Yerushalayim, but the king had refused to receive him. And he was trying to get Yoav to uh, intercede on his behalf for the king to get the king to uh, receive him. And Yoav was not responding to Absalom. So in order to get Yoav's attention, he burnt down Yoav's wheat field. Okay? <laughs> so, And there he has with fire. Okay, and ultimately that led to him being raising up back in status and ultimately enabled him to rebel later on in the story. Um, of course, I had to reread this last night because I totally forgot the context. I said to Adver, I said, you know, it's very frustrating. The Gemara, uh, like, assumes that we know Tanakh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. Yeah. All right, yes. You mean like the kid will die or just like, you know, won't inherit I don't know. Okay, the Chayim Lini Now we switch, we leave Absalom and we go back to the Mishnah that says the same way there's Midah for bad, there's Mida connected Mida for good, and it brings the example of Miriam that uh, she hovered over by Moshe for one hour, and in the end, Benesha waited for her for seven days when she was smitten. Right, so that's what we want to say. Midami? What do you mean? It's, it's, it's just like, you know, the Mida connected Mida for good is the same as for bad. Hasam Chadashata, there it was just one hour, and uh, uh, that she, um, I'm sorry, how can you say that the Mida connected Mida? She only waited for one hour, Hachashiviyomi, and Benesha waited for her for seven days. No, you should read the Mishnah, but when for me the Tova, it's not like this. It's even more. So Amalei Rabbah, 
have a chenli ni hatova ktani. What do you mean? You can't just change the gears. It says the same way there's mita kineged mita for bad. It's the same for good. It's not, it's not saying it's different for good. So the Gemara says. Um, so here's what it means it means the concept of measure for measure is the same for good and for bad that's the way they're saying when it comes to the quantity of it you know the, 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 uh, the amount so then the Mida Tova is greater than Mida Peraniot but the fundamental idea of Mida Kenegimida applies to both but Mida Tova is the, the amount is many, many fold over what was done Okay, but he gets him, uh, so now there's a cute little toast roast, and he says, so, um, so, uh, no, not that, so, 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 okay, so, um, if you take a look at toast roast, it says the following, Miriam uh, Tina Sha'achat, so it says, um, uh, no, uh, yeah, okay. It must have really been only like a, qu- a quarter of an hour, or 20 minutes. It says it's one, it's a, it's a 500 times. So, so figure out how many hours there are in seven days. Let's see, 140, 2800, 168, right? So if she if if waited one hour, and that was only 168 times, they waited seven days. So it has to be they waited really a third of an hour, right? Because then three times 168 is 500, essentially. Three, right? 485, right? Almost exactly 500. So it has to be really be, I don't know why it says over via. It has to be only a third of an hour. Okay. Um, then he says, And that's 365 to 1. And that's Peranios. So that's not a Mida Kineged Mida. It's bigger. Um, it's more than 500, but it's not, that's true, it's more than 500, but still not exactly Mida Kineged Mida. Right? It's not 1 to 1 as opposed to 1 to 500. Here it's 365 to 1. In Kain Haisa Meruba, in Kain Haisa Meruba, Midas Peranios, Midas Tova Shemiriam. No, he says it's more than million, but I don't get it. The way, because it's only 365 to 1. I don't get how Yom Lishana is more than the one for Miriam. I don't get that question. Anyway, but the point is it's not one to one, certainly. So there you get, you also get the 365 multiplier. Right, it's equal. And it's not that Midatova is better. To focus on the Miriam story. So, uh, and by the way, this is going to be a opening for us now for the remainder of the Daf, pretty much to do drashot on the whole story, not just of Miriam, but all of the of Moshe and Mitzrayim and the whole thing. So, like you know, Sot is like the mother load of like most of the Agat. Like I don't know, it'll be interesting. Like what percentage of Agat and Shas is in Masechet Sot? Really okay, exactly. This is all that the divine presence was hovering there to protect Moshe. It wasn't just like Miriam was, like, you know, God was there for protecting Moshe. Okay, Neymar v'tetatzav, to stand. V'ktiv, v'tetzav, v'yavo Hashem, v'yitetzav. So that's a verb that's used by God. 
Achoto, sister, dechiv, emor lechachma achotiat. You know, say to wisdom, you are my sister. And wisdom is like, sort of like God, you know, represents like, a, God created wisdom, um, or something very close to God, you know, for the Kabbalists, these, some of these represent, I think, different uh, three rows. Um, but I, I'm not allowed to tell you that. Okay. Merachok, from distance. Dechiv, merachok Hashem nirali. God appeared to me from a distance. Ladat, to know. Dechiv, keel deot Hashem. So, ma, ma, to know what, Dechiv, ma Hashem alokecha sho'el meimcha. Yeyaseh, will be done, Dechiv, ki lo yeyaseh, Hashem alokim davar. Lo, to him, Dechiv, vayikra lo Hashem, vayikra lo Hashem, shalom. Okay, so every single one of those words is used in conjunction with God. I mean, God appears a lot in Tanakh, so, <laughs> so a lot of words are used in conjunction with God. Okay, so Yachem el chadash ha-mitzrayim. So now let's talk about the, about the whole uh, story with Moshe and B'nai Israel. A new king arose over Egypt. Rav Shmuel, Chadamar chadash mamash, Chadamar one said he literally was a new king. The other one says he no. He changed his whole approach towards dealing with uh, because we talked about Miriam hovering over Moshe. Yeah. Well, now we're going to give the whole context of the whole story. This is the lead up to it, right? It's an opportunity to, to talk about the whole story. So his whole approach changed towards Bnei Yisrael. What do you mean? It's a new king. Because it never says the old king died. So that means that it was not really a new king. It was just a new approach. Ah, okay. Asher lo yadat Yosef, who did not know Yosef, he acted as if he never knew him. He said to his nation, So behold the nation Israel. Tana, who he was the one that was the instigator of the uh, whole plan against Bnei Israel. Again, here's the Midah connected Midah. He was the one that was smitten first. He was smitten first. So he was the one that was first hit with the pl- first with the plague. Okay, come let us like a scheme against them or a plan regarding them. Lahemi um, it should have said them. Now actually it says Am Bnei Israel and Am is in the singular, but the Gemara is going to somehow assume you're talking about the people, you should be talking about them in the plural. So it's going to focus a lot on the singular of this verse. Okay, it should have said Lahem, not Lo. No, let's out, outfox God. Lo, lo, yo, him, the him, with a capital H. Okay, the Savior of Israel. Now, how should we, what are we, how are we going to go ahead and oppress B'nai Yisrael in a way that God won't be able to pay us back? Okay, so, I mean, or the God of Israel, Moshe Yisrael, right? The, how that, that God won't be able to pay us back. And this obviously is going to assume that power already knows the principle that we've been talking about of Mida Kenegad Mida. So therefore, Nido Nam should we oppress them, you know, or smite them with a fire? Ksiv Kine Hashem Ba'esh Yavo. No, God will smite us with a fire. Ksiv Tanakh. Yeah, you know, clearly, he's channeling, channeling Yishayov. Ksiv Kine Ba'esh Hashem Ishpat. Bacherev, should we, uh, should we go ahead and smite them by the sword? Ksiv Ubechar Boet Kovasar. Same Pasuk in Yishayov. El Aboveni Donam Bemayim. Let's use water to, to smite them, right? Throw the kids into the, into the Nile. Um, God had sworn that he won't bring a flood to the world. He may not have so sleep. You know, 
Um, so they, they thought they were going to outfox God because they knew the principle of Mida Kineged Mida. And they did not know, No, he won't bring a flood of the whole world. He's prepared to go ahead and drown one nation. He won't bring it on them. They all want to run into the Yamsuf. That's their business. <laughs> okay. They were running to greet, to greet it. So they were ran into it. It wasn't God who did it. All right, it wasn't God who brought it on them. Tiny number of Belez, you might deceive Kiba Davar. What? It was it was it wasn't a flood, right? It just restored. Well, we're just going back to its normal place. All right, we can just all right. Now, my my see what's meant by the pasuk that uh, that Yisro says kiba davara shares zadu alehem because in the matter that they had probably it's like zadu probably means they had planned against them, schemed against them. So the Gemara says it's a cookie metaphor. All right, that's what what the Gemara is going to say. The kedera should be shlu. I just don't know if that's I don't know what. You know, I, I, what, what the pshat of Zadu is, maybe it is. But, but anyway, I, well, that's what the Gemara is going to say. In the pot that they cooked, again, with, you know, use water and cooking something in water, right? So it's also probably connecting to the water metaphor. In the very pot that they, that they cooked, that, that they brought about, you know, they tried to uh, kill B'nai Israel, oppress B'nai Israel, they themselves were cooked, hoisted by their own petard again. My mashma, the high Zadu, Lishna de Kdeva. How do you know that Zadu is. A, uh, a language of a, of a pot. Okay, there you go. So it means to be cooked. They were they were cooked in their own pot. Yes. Is this a rabbinic uh, reinterpretation that has, that Pharaoh was looking through the, that he believes in God from the very beginning? Well, I think it says Moshean Shel Yisrael, which is why I switched it to say from God to the, the, the Jewish God, you know, the God of Israel. Like you know, in a poly, in a poly, in a poly, in a poly, person who's going to help Israel. Moshe. Oh, maybe, maybe. No, oh, that could be. That could be. Beginning. I don't recognize. Right. Yeah, but I don't recognize the authority of the authority. Well, right. That is a good point. Meaning, even in that context, if he doesn't recognize the authority of that God to tell him, I mean, in a polytheistic world, you could believe in other nations' gods as well. But it means I don't believe that 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 your God has the authority, has that type of power over me. Then why is he scheming against it? Yeah. All right. It's once again where Midrash doesn't exactly fit with the pshat. Let alone that it's quoting quoting Tzokim and Yeshayahu. But you are right that it's deeper than the quoting Tzokim and Yeshayahu, which are obviously anachronistic. Because this sort of changes the whole narrative in a profound way. It sort of like makes power from the very outset know God and be trying to scheme against it, which is a very different type of a dynamic than refusing to recognize. So that's a, yeah, it's, it's a really good point. All right, so the says like this. Uh, but okay, a little. Um, I'm Rabbi Chiyab, Rabbi Abba, another famous midrash. I'm Rabbi Simai. Shloshahayu ba'uta itzad. There were three that were in that little council to plan against Bnei Israel. So Bilam, the Eo, Bilam Eov and Yitro, meaning other than Paro. Those were that was his that, that was his council of advisors. Bilam Shiyat. So besides, although before we said it was Paro's initiative, now we're saying Bilam was an advisor because we know that's what Bilam does. He gives advice, you know, Bovi Atzachayit Asher Yaseh Hamazel Amachah Beacharit Hayamim, right? And you know, and by the uh, and by the and the Shem Midyan it says Hein Hein Ayulis Neisel Bidvar Bilam. So Bilam is the one that behind the scenes gives advice, you know, to uh, hurt other nations. So Bilam was the advisor. Neherag he ultimately was killed later in the whole story with the you know the war against Midian. 
Eov Shishatak, Eov was silent. He didn't want, he didn't agree, but he didn't have the courage to go up against Paro. So, Nidon Yisurin, that explains, now we understand why Eov suffered. You didn't know, the whole book of Eov doesn't tell you why he suffered, now we know, because he was silent, okay, which has to do with, but it's very important, right, because it has to do with being a silent enabler, you know, and how, what, you know, all, what is it, all evil has to do to flourish is for good men to stand by and be quiet, or something like that. Right. That's also, right, exactly, there's that exact, though, thank you, right, I knew that it was, yeah, there's a beautiful parallel to that right of the Chachamim talking about Rome, and one of them sort of, you know, one of them praised Rome, and the other was silent, and the other one was silent, and the third one criticized Rome, and exactly, and they all, right, 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 yeah, that's excellent, that's at the beginning of Avodah Zarah, exactly, thank you. All right, so, but it also does speak about the, about, you know, how you essentially, through your silence, you're also collaborating. Um, the theme also continues with Bilam, if I remember correctly, the Gemara says that he's needle bit like Yeah, 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 okay, well, let's not go there, all right, let's not go there, yes. Um, okay, yeah, so he is Nidob Yisurim, and Yitro Shabarach, Zakubi Bnei Banav, Shiyashub Lishkadagazit. He ran away, which I guess is the best you could do, you know, he, which is essentially, which is, yeah, but essentially, it's, why did he run away? Essentially, he's protesting and he ran away, or it's implicit in his running away, or he protested and he ran away. And he took his whole family away. And he took his whole family away. Right. Well, I, right. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was commuting. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. But anyway. Anyway, he ran away. And then he went to Midyad. Uh, so, eventually his descendants, you know, were in the, uh, were part of the Sanhedrin and were in the chamber of the Yun Stone there in the Sanhedrin in, in, in the Beit HaMikdash. The family of scribes, Yosfei Ya'avetz, Ya'avetz was a great sage, Tar'itim Shema'atim Sochatim Hema, so Rashi tries to give a drash on those words, we won't worry about that, Hema HaKinim, these are the Kenites, Habaim Mechamat, who descended from Hamat, Avi Beit Rechev, the father of Beit Rechev, Vixiv, Ubnei Keni, Chotein Moshe, and there, so for the Kenites, the, the Kenim were ultimately, you know, Moshe's, Moshe's the, from Yitro, because that's identified as the father-in-law of Yitro, and here they were, they, they were the, they were the scribes, and Yosha Yavitz is also so associated with sitting in the, you know, members of the Sanhedrin. So I guess I mean, that, I mean, meaning like that was a good advice to do, right? So therefore his... Oh, they gave advice. They were the advisors. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. I thought, yep, I hear that. Okay. Um... Alright. Uh, um, and we will, um, and they will fight against, wage war against us and rise up from the land. So the Gemara says, the fear, if a nation, you're afraid of a nation rising up and waging war, you should be afraid that you'll be driven from the land, not that they'll just leave. Because I don't know, I mean, even so, you know, if you're this, you know, this world power of Egypt, you're really afraid that this nation is going to conquer you? You might just be afraid that they'll, uh, that they'll leave. But anyway, the Gemara says, if you're afraid they should it should, have been, it should have been we will rise up from the land that they'll drive us from the land so it says it's sort of like you don't want to say something bad about yourself so you say it about somebody else you mean we'll be driven from the land but you don't want to say that so you say they'll go out from the and land that, exactly that's why when the Gemara wants to say bad things that will befall Israel it says things that will befall Sone Israel okay they placed upon them again they're using the singular, the nation, you know, uh, taskmasters. Alehemi Baile, again, the Gemara assumes it should be in the plural. So the Gemara says, um, 
They brought a, a, sto- a, a brick or a, a, a form of a brick and they put it around, uh, you know, hung it on around Paro's own neck. So that's the Vaisimu Alav on Paro. So, and he's like, like the, it's a day, like we want everybody in the nation to come and to do some work for the building of, and you know, in the, uh, in, uh, the Cecil B. DeMille film, it's the pyramids, but the, <laughs> that, that doesn't work according to the dating. And the Torah says, Arei Miskinot, you know, which is like treasure storehouses. Anyway, we want everybody of the nation to come and participate in this building project. Even Paro's going to participate in the building project. Everybody does it. And then the next day, as we're going to see, basically, it's great. Now you start a building, now you can continue. Okay. All right, well, we'll get to that. Anyway, okay. So, um, anyone that said, no, I'm too refined to actually have to work with bricks. Are you more refined than Paro? So they got everybody to work on that day. So, taskmasters, or whatever, some, something that creates forms, meaning, it, again, it's not a taskmaster who's being a taskmaster to Paro, but it means a, a form of a brick. Somehow that's, I don't know, Rashi, I didn't exactly get how Rashi tied in what the word Messim means to this context. Anyway, but something that's used to form a brick. Ramana so, so in order to oppress him, receive Lotam in their, uh, uh, you know, uh, burdens. So, anotami by way. Now, here actually the grammar sh- is, it is a problem. Because it should be either lamana noto besiv lato or lamana notam besiv lotam. It's a mixing of the singular and the plural. So, laman anoto lifaro, they caused for that one day paro to be, uh, you know, oppressed, you know, or to sub- uh, subjugate himself or lower himself besiv lotam de Israel, ultimately to lead to the enslavement of Israel. So, it was anoto besiv lotam for the sake of the of their enslavement. Okay, what um, does that mean? Meaning, like, Paro was eventually punished? No, was no. Punished? On that one day, they placed on Paro, this type of a, uh, somebody, you know, this, uh, this uh, form of a brick. It made, they oppressed Paro for that one day, for the sake of impressing Israel. Through um, the ruse. Through the ruse. Okay, Paro. Then they built these storehouses to Paro. So what's the word miskinot? So the Gemara says, Rab Now Rashi says that this is a more underst- better understood to be a general comment on undergoing building projects. Okay, but also true for here that uh, you know when you undergo build building projects, it endangers the people involved in it. You know, there's a lot of deaths that happen during construction projects. So Chadam on the other says et It turns the people poor. You know, how often is it that building projects run over and cost millions of dollars more than you had budgeted, etc. Okay, to Amar Anybody that's involved in these building projects ultimately gets poor. I guess you. I know, I know. So it's interesting. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Donald Trump went bust seven times or something. Whatever it was. Okay. At Pitom Ram says. Okay, Pitom and Ram says. What does it mean? Ravish Mochadam or Pitom Shema? It was all the same place. Its real name was Pitom. The Lamanik Shema Ram says. Ram says was descriptive. I don't know why it says that. Sherishon Rishon Mitrosays. That every as soon as they would build it, every initial building would like you know uh, would uh, tremble and would basically would shatter. Okay, or um, the Ram says. 
Shema. It was called Ramses. Why was it called Pitam? So Rishon, Rishon, Pitam, Bo'o. Everything that they would build, it would immediately be swallowed up by the swamp. It reminded me of... Oh, it's interesting. You see, you have a better relevance. It reminded me of the, uh, of the uh, skit from, uh, from uh, uh, Monty Python. I built the first one, and it, and, and, you know, and it sunk. Do people remember that skit? The guy building castles on the swamp. And then the second one, and that sunk too. Anyway, for the... Okay. All right, anyway. So everything they would build, it would all collapse. So uh, I did hear once a very beautiful drush about that, about the, like, that's the expl- a way I understand the avodas parach is about right. what it means no to be toilet. involved exactly in labor that is completely purposeless. That in, in addition to the backbreaking nature of it, right, the purposeless nature of it is supposed to probably dispiriting. Right? So you know, like it, what? Sorry, Sisyphus. Oh, Sisyphus. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Right, right, right. You know, and like I mean, sometimes you know, like in like boot camp or whatever, they tell them you know, dig a hole and then you know now fill it up, you know, and then dig a hole and whatever. Like just do a whole thing, which is uh, serves no purpose. It's very demoralizing. Um, okay. Um, so for sort of uh, okay. right. So yeah. Because you want to get to the draws, because I mean the pshat works very well. A rain is going Right. Of course. Of course. Okay. But we're trying to make other points. Okay. The chasher yanu oso kenyebevacheni froze as they would oppress again the singular him, so they would increase and so they would uh, uh, you know spread out. Ken rabu v'chein partsumi It should have been so they they did increase and they did spread out. What is it? They will increase and will spread out. It's like the heavenly voice is coming out. You say, you know, you're, you're afflicting them. I'm saying, so will they increase and so will they, you know, and so, and so will they spread out. So, you know, exactly count, you know, the God sort of uh, directly countering Paro's plan. Um, um, I think there's another form which actually says it even sharper. Aka Marta pen your bear and you omer cane your bear right which is again right exactly echoing pen your bear right um, okay um um Exactly, and exactly the meter connected me down. Right, okay. Also, yes. Uh, the image of the, of, the, of the negative one is like subtraction, and the positive one is like expansion, you know? Ah. Uh-huh. In terms of why one, the, the negative one gets measured from that. Oh, I see. One why the one is greater, because blessing, blessing is expansive, and the same way punishment is contracting. Yeah, oh, that's a nice idea. Uh huh. Okay. Um, okay. So, by Akutsu Mipne Bene Israel, and they were disgusted from the presence of Yisrael, repulsed. Um, it was like, you know, it was like just seeing Israel became like thorns in their eyes. And they worked them with backbreaking labor. So, Rabbi Eliezer Omer Beperach. So they seduced them, a soft voice, which is the whole way they got them to work on that first day, according to that Midrash. Uh, no, it means with uh, crushing. First, they had them do the work with the brick and the mortar. And then eventually, they had them do the work in the field, which is not so clear. It seems to me field work is uh, less uh, harsh than, uh, than uh, brick and mortar. But anyway, maybe it's more exposed to the sun. I don't know. All of the work that they uh, made them work in with backbreaking work. They made men do women's work and women do men's work. Again, that's sort of the demoralizing aspect of it. And it's just, you know, so uh, Rashi says, where's the Rashi? Rashi says, where is it? 
Right, they didn't have. They were never accustomed to it. Like, what am I? You know, mind of like stone, right? Oh, what would you say? The original like social reformers. Yeah, but I think that the point more was that it was like you know it was feminizing the men and you know masculinizing the women and it was all right. Instead of doing the fact breaking work that you're right, yeah, you're gonna have to sew some dresses and right. Dresses. <laughs> right. 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 Okay. To draw water, so they got like little uh, fish. I don't know minnows or right, maybe that's the daga. Anyway, little fish, herring. I don't know. I don't know herring is big. It's just chopped up into small things. Sardines. Okay. The show vote next to dagim, and their buckets came up half water and half fish. But also about the shoftot steak they wrote, they would put on the fire two pots. Achas shochamim, bachas shodagim. One to heat up the water, and the other to cook the fish. And they would bring it out to their husbands in the field. I don't know what to tell you. You can't go make all the Midrashim work together. So, okay, in that context, I just have to tell you the famous, uh, uh, I don't know, story, joke, whatever. Anyway, because it's this week's Parsha. So, uh, so this week's part it says Vashem Beirachis Avraham Bakol. So Rashi quotes the famous midrash. It says Bat Hayelo Bakol Shma. He had a daughter, and his her name was Bakol from you know his new wife or Pilagesh, whoever it was. So uh, so Tosus there asked. He says I don't understand. So why did he have to send a servant to go find a wife for Yitzchak? This was Yitzchak's half sister, which uh, you know through a different mother, which is Mutter to Bnei Noach. So he should have just married Yitzchak off to this his daughter. So you know what the answer is. Yitzchak wanted to marry a real woman, not a medrash. So, <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Okay. So anyway, so let's not try to make all of these Russian work. Okay, together. All right. Anyway, Okay, one of her order and one of and one of fish. They brought it to their husbands in the field. Um, and they would uh, bathe their husbands and they would anoint them I don't know where they got the oil maybe the fish oil and they would feed them and have them drink so then you'd feel good not only would you have strength but you know your, your body is, re- is revived through that process um, and then they had the desire to have sex and therefore and they, and they had uh, you had sex with their wives right so yes so here clearly it's the opposite it's the righteous women you with the you know using sex and the sexual drive of men or whatever to ultimately lead to the redemption you know and if you think about it going back to the Yehud and the Tamar story also right where again the woman was the initiator and it was about sex and it was also about the redemption it was about ultimately leading to uh, King David right so it's very interesting exactly you know the sex lead to the downfall when like you know it's the drive takes you outside of the marriage and to do inappropriate things or can it ultimately also like bring about the redemption um 
So, um, okay, Shenet Mar, in Tishkevun Ben Tzvatayim, if you lie down between the folds, Bishar Tishkevun Ben Tzvatayim, and because of the merit of it, they lay, lay down between the folds, Zohar Yisrael would be that Mitzrayim. Ultimately, they merited the, um, you know, the, the booty of Egypt. Shenet Mar, Kanseyonah Nechbasa Bechetzef, this is the end of the Pasuk of in Tishkevun Ben Tzvatayim. That's how it connects. Okay, the, 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 uh, the wings of, of a dove covered in silver, Ve'evroteha, Be'erakrak Charutz, and again, I think it's, it's limbs, it's wings in the, like a filigree of gold. Um, the Kivan, so they got all of that booty. The Kivan Shemit Abrot, and once they became pregnant, they would come to their homes. And now it was time for them to give birth, and the decree was evident, right? Because presumably, the point is that husbands had to be seduced. Why they be seduced? Number one is they had no sex drive, they were exhausted, and number two, who wants to have children if there's an edict out that they're just going to be thrown in the river? So the wives had to seduce their husbands, but here it was a seduction that led to the Geula. Okay? And then they went, they had to go out and give birth where nobody would see them giving birth. Right, out, out in the fields. Under the tapuach, under the apple trees. Yeah. The question is, what's a tapuach? We, we decided it as apple, but apparently um, apples were, were not, are not indigenous to the Middle East. So uh, some people want to say that a tapuach maybe means an estra, some other type of a fruit. So I, I, I had a friend who once said to me, you know, it says, um, it says, uh, the, the, um, you know, it says, what's the pasuk? It says, you know, um, not pasuk, medrash. Medrash says, "Re'erech b'ni kireach sadeshe bechol Hashem." So it says, "Kireach sadeshe tapuchim." So friend says, "Did you ever smell an apple orchard? It does not smell nice." So you know, anyways, that's very doubtful. That I tapuach what. It's uh, some other orchard. It's actually apple, you understand, originally, by the way, it just meant fruit. Right? The apple of the eye, right? That's why the, that's how come in the, in the whole idea that the, uh, fruit of the guy, you know, got Aden, right? That they ate from the tree, the apple, right? Was, uh, uh, why did it become an apple? It's not indigenous to the Middle East, but early translations had it as apple, which had a generic meaning of fruit. Think about how we say, what's a, what's a, what's a, um, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, a potato. It's a tapuach adama. Why is it an apple of the ground, right? So anyway, tapuach originally had an apple originally had a generic meaning of fruit. Tachas tapuach or ticha under the tapuach I have bestirred you. Okay, so meaning does bestir the kid to come out? Yeah, I guess. I would have thought that's where they would have sex. Yeah, because that's a good point too. Anyway, and then God was sent from heaven from the from the heavenly abode. Nishemanakir someone. I don't know who the someone was. Shemankir. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's yeah, that's a different part of the story. Anyway, somebody who would like clean and uh, ready them up, you know, clean them up. Like a midwife who, after the child is born, cleans it up and you know and gives it, you know, and, and, and washes it and so on and, and makes it healthy. Thank you. Um, and on the day that you were born, this is the end of that pasuk from, um, oh no, this is the pasuk in Yechaz, a different pasuk, excuse me. On that day that you were born, um, your flesh had not been cut, meaning your, your, uh, your, your, your umbilical cord, your navel, and you had not been bathed with water, um, I don't know what the is. Anyway, anyway, so you had not been bathed, and God went ahead and sent for them, uh, some, something that would bathe them and, uh, take care of them. 
and whatever this thing was that God sent, um, gathered for them two cakes, one of oil and one of honey. Yeah, for babies, I don't know. I know, I know. Okay, so God caused them to... Oh, there you go. So God caused them to nurse, you know, uh, honey from the rock. Okay, so I think it's also Vayeni Keu. It's the nursing. Right, it's the nursing. Once the Egyptians realized that something was happening and the children were being born, so they came to kill them, the, the, the babies. Okay, and a miracle was done. They were swallowed up in the ground out there by the apple or, or the tapuach uh, orchard, whatever. So then they figured, okay, they're, they're buried in the ground, we'll kill them there. So they brought oxen, and they plowed over where the babies were buried. On my back, the plowers have plowed, but presumably they were too far down and they were protected. After the Egyptians left, then the babies would re-sprout out of the ground like the grass. We all know this pasuk because this is from the pasuk in the, Aga- in the Haggadah. Okay, but it was the end of that earlier pasuk about the day that you were born, which was a whole metaphor about what do you call it a metaphor about the forming of the nation that's actually what that is there in Yechezkel that was you know the metaphor you were naked and, 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 and bloody and I cleaned you and I made you a nation so it's sort of the, na- the birthing of the nation and here it's taking that metaphor and connecting it to the birthing of the nation but in the very literal sense of the birthing of these, of these babies which means you weren't swaddled so the ground oh, swaddled them maybe okay and you, you, you grew up and you came like which is in like jewelry but do not read jewelry in like flocks okay oh I'm sorry did I skip a line I skipped a line once they would then grow up so they, they would come they would come flocks to their house which by the way it's like very much like this thing of like being born in nature you know not exactly raised by the wolves but there they are they come up from the ground and they come home like flocks like flocks of sheep right so they're almost like you know these naturally born animals that are now coming in from the field it's an interesting image um, and we're going to see the animal theme come up later they would come flocks to the house as it says do not read in, in jewelry in flocks and when God revealed himself on the sea they were the first to, to recognize God because they recognized God out there in the field when they were infants that God took care of them and bathed them and whatever it was that was through God that that, and so they, saw, they had already known God from that they were able to point to God I know this that's my God they recognized God okay so he said to the Hebrew to the Hebrew um, nursemaids by the way there's an interesting machlokas on the Farshim whether Ivriot means that the nursemaids were Hebrew or were they nursemaids for the Hebrews yeah. some want to say that they were Egyptian nursemaids that's certainly not what the Gemara says okay Rav Chadamar Isha Ubita it was a mother and her daughter Chadamar Kalav Chamota no a daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law Manam Isha Ubita Yochevet Miriam. it was Yochevet Miriam. that's what everybody knows like that Midrash Manam Kalav Chamota Yochevet 
Chavet Velisheva. It was Velisheva. It was Aaron's wife, uh, her daughter-in-law. Tanya, we turn the bright command to Amar Yishal. B'tad Tanya, Shifra zu Yochavet. Shifra was Yochavet. For how many questions? Shifra she mishaperet et havlad that she makes the child uh, like a uh, good, like you know, uh, uh, improves him, but improves him, you know, like takes uh, whatever, you know, treats him. Tavra Acher when he's just born. Shifra she paru v'rabu Yisrael biyameha that they increased priyavivya were fruitful and multiplied because then she was obviously instrumental in that. Pua and what's pua? Zimuyam. But how many questions about pua? Shaita poa that she would like uh, like a coup in order to and we'll see it as a vlad to help the child come out. Davar acher shaita poa beruach hakodesh. She would speak with the divine spirit. Romer atid amisha teile ben shemoshiet yisrael. Ultimately, my mother will give first to a child a son who will be the savior of Israel. That's you're right. Moshiach Israel. Therefore, you're right. Probably does mean Moshe and not God. Anyway, I just got to read you this little toast roast. Shaisa poel levlad toast says. An incantation for Yotzei Havlat to help the child be born. Like they do nowadays, they whisper incantations to a woman who's giving birth to help her give birth. Okay. When you give birth to the Hebrews, my and you'll see on the on the stones, my Avanaim. What is this word? Stones, the birthing stones. He gave them a way to know that they were about to give birth. When a woman is crouching to give birth, and her, her thighs are cold like stone, and then you'll know she's about to give birth, and that will be when you have to like, be there to make sure she doesn't hide the child and that you can kill the child. The East Armor, and some say, I went to the potter's house, and he was doing work by the potter stone. My Yotzer said, the same way a potter, he puts one side here and the other side there, but Saddam the Emsan, the potter, sort of platform the potter stone in the middle one's giving birth one side is there one side is there her sides are, are spread mm-hmm. so the child comes out in the middle okay that's why it's called a birthing stone I guess similar metaphor okay if he's a boy you should kill him here's how you'll know immediately even before like checking you'll know immediately if he's a, ch- a boy or girl if he's a son he'll come out face down a girl face up. Why? Because that ties into the Gemara's understanding that children are born based on how they were conceived. And since the Gemara's assuming that the man is above and the woman is below when they're having sex, so they're also going to be not conceived based on how they're born, but born the way the positions of the parents were when they were conceived. Okay? So, um, um, so the child, so if it's a boy, it'll follow the position of the man, and if it's a girl, it'll follow the position of the mother. Okay, but Tzirinam Yadot Atalokim, they feared God, it should be Elehen to them, but, but I mean, it's a funny, Lahen to them is more probably than Elehen, which is a little more like at them or something. So what's the Elehem? He tried to seduce them to sex, because Rashi said it's like to Eleha, to like those, sometimes the word Eleha into her is used as a word for sex. What? The Paro tried to seduce the Yaldot to have sex with him. So they refused him on that account as well. Okay, let's read one more, one more line. And gave life to the, uh, to the children. Not only did they not kill the kids, they gave life to them. They gave them bread and uh, sustenance. I just wanted to end with this chayot because it ties back to the chayot metaphor before. Because they are chayot. 
So what does chayot mean? Even chayot mamash, it's funny, the Gemara thinks chayot mamash means midwives, because chayot for the Gemara is a midwife. It means that they're midwives and therefore they can take, do it themselves. They don't need a midwife. They don't, they're not going to call us. They're their own midwives. So, atu chayot milochicha chayot I don't understand. A midwife, when she's giving birth, needs a midwife. A barber needs a barber to cut his hair. So, lavlude to give birth. El amrulo, no. Umazu No, it means that they're beasts. They're animals. They give birth without, without help, like animals in the field. This is like, they're like animals. Yehuda, Gora, Yehuda, Dan, Yehuda, Nachash, Naftali, Ayelash, Lucha, Yisachar, Chamor, Garem, all of this connection to animals is safe, for sure, being a means they betroth. Tchsiv, Tchsiv, those that are connected to animals is written. But the log, Tchsiv, and if it's not written, Tchsiv, Ma Imcha Levi, Ben Arayot, your mother, Ravtsa, your mother is a, is a lioness, so they we're all born, we're all animals. So therefore, um, so we'll end with this. So they, they're animals, they don't need our help. So I think that a very nice, by the way, shot of the Psukim, I don't even think that this is Drash. First of all, it connects back to the image that there they are, they're being born in the field and they're coming back as flocks, which picks that up. But there's also a nice point to be made about how the fact that, you know, part of the process of enslaving a people, you know, is the process, and, you know, think about uh, recently in terms of the Holocaust, of, 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 you know, is dehumanizing them. And that the way in which they're being dehumanized Right, so it says, you know, um, hey, what is it? Hey, Mam Israel, Ravet, what is it? Um, uh, um, there's a pasuk. Um, um, and, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm forgetting about it. Anyway, whatever it is, part of the process was, if you look at the early Psukim, when it speaks about that, uh, that they are Ravet Sumim, and what is it? I can't think of it. Um, Anyway, whatever it is, anyway, part of it, it seems that the point was that there's an earlier puzzle that reflects this idea that they were sort of being seen by the Mitzrim as animals and being dehumanized, and it seems that that's what the, the they say back, they're animals, and they give birth without chayot, that Par was able to buy that lie because he, they already had begun like a process of dehumanizing, so that was actually able, but I'm just not remembering, hold on, just give me one more second, I just can't. It's just frustrating here. Uh, I know we're a little over, but I just need to read you this pasta. It says, one minute. Here. Uh, yeah, hold on. Here it is. Um, it says, uh, All right. All right. I'm not finding it. Everybody's gathered up. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's okay, it's okay, it's all right. We'll save the dress for some other time. It's all right, I can't find it. Okay, to be continued. <laughs> Fine, yes. Justin Goodman once shared with me how the uh, experience of being dehumanized in camps yeah. 